somebody excited about Passion Youth Awaken 2019? Woo! All right, so I just want to give you a quick scripture before Justin Anthony comes and preach to us tonight. So uh, this scripture you're going to see all week, and it's Ephesians 5 and 14. I'm just going to read part of it. It says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. As we go through this week, I want Christ to give you light. I want him to fill you with the light that brings him glory because it's all about bringing him glory. So when we play a ball, we bring him glory. When we worship, we bring him glory. Everything we do is to bring God glory. So let that fill your heart tonight. Justin Anthony, come preach. Come speak our first night. Give it up for Justin Anthony. Woo! Y'all giving me his attention. All right, all right. How's everybody doing tonight? I need to know real quick with one loud shout, who is excited to be at camp tonight? All right, that's what I'm talking about. You know, and camp is such an awesome time. You know, for us as leaders, you know, we got awesome worship. Give it up for the worship. We got awesome food. Who can give it up for the food? We got awesome games. And we got a couple speakers who are okay too, you know, right? But, uh, you know, camp is such an awesome time, but the reason... That is so awesome is because it's us and Jesus. This week is going to be me and Jesus, and it's going to be you and Jesus. And he is able to speak to us on a different level this week, mainly because we get rid of all the distractions, right? We don't have any cell phones. How many of you almost died when you realized you had to go a week without your cell phone? And then the other 50% probably actually died, right? So we don't have any of the cell phones. We don't have video games. We don't have just that extracurricular activity, sports, the friends, whatever. Yeah, we have a lot going on, but all that outside stuff is gone. And God is able to speak to us in a different level. But with every good thing, there's always a heartbreaking thing that we see every year at camp. And it's every year we see young kids come, give their life to the Lord, God do a genuine move, give them a genuine touch only for them to go back home and to let that flame that God had given them be extinguished. And it's like, what is that? Is it, is it true what they experience? Absolutely. I believe it. For the most part, everything that they experience here, God is doing something in their life. But is, why is it every time that they go home, maybe it's a few days, a few weeks, a few months, whatever it is, why is it that they always go back? Why is it that they always fade away? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What does it take to be a true disciple, a true follower of Christ? So we're going to start in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my follower, you must take, turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And we're going to break this down real quick. Because you see, Jesus' death on the cross, we tend to make the cross a symbol of fashion and kind of a popularity thing, right? It's not a bad thing. It's actually pretty cool to say you're a Christian. But it's when you have to walk this thing out that persecution comes and things come against your life and you have to make that choice. 
But Jesus' death on the cross demands complete and total commitment on our part. Not a half-hearted pursuit, not a wishy-washy thing. It demands us to be completely and totally committed and sold out to him. And we have to deny ourselves. How do we do that? It's not a negative thing, right? Man, I can't go with you. I'm a Christian. I got to do this. I can't do this, whatever. It has to be no to me and yes to Jesus. And how do we do that? It's not about our thoughts anymore. It's not what I think. It's not what I feel. My desires, my ambitions, the way I see things and view things, I have to die to that. It's no longer about how I feel. It's, Jesus, what do you see about this? And when we do that, we give God complete control in our lives. He says, okay, you're tired of you. I can move on that. Let me come in. And you see, we're, it's hard for us to understand what it's like to deny ourselves. We live in a culture today. How many of you in here have cell phones, right? Right now from your cell phone, well, you ain't got them, but we do. You're a, we can get waiter to bring us a coffee, food, and I can get something shipped to me tomorrow if I pay a little extra. We want and we wait for nothing, and we are a rich society. And you may be thinking, dude, I'm 14, 15. I ain't got a job. I had to give 10 bucks for my mom to eat off the food truck tonight. But we're rich in the fact that we have an abundance of junk. We've got so much stuff, and in the beginning, this stuff isn't necessarily bad. Food for you isn't bad, but when you consume it in the wrong way, it creates bad habits or unhealthy habits. Cell phones are not necessarily a bad thing, but when you use them in an ungodly way, they create unhealthy habits in your life. So we indulge ourselves with all these things, and when Jesus says, deny yourself, you're like, what does that mean? I can't. Anything I want, I get. I, I think of something, I get it. I want to know what something is, I look it up. And we never truly learn what it is to deny ourselves. And Jesus tells us to take up our cross. You see, the cross was a symbol of humility. When people carried their cross, it was known that that man did wrong. It's his fault. But when Jesus took, his, took the cross and carried it, he didn't carry it for his sins but my sins and your sins. And we are called to be obedient even until death. When we look at Jesus' life, it's all cool, man, and it's awesome to talk about the miracles he performed. And I'm sure it was easy to follow him in those moments. But when Jesus took the cross, he was going to a place that was uncomfortable, that was not feeling good, and ultimately would lead to his death. But we have to get to that place when Jesus tells us to take up our cross, that we're willing to lay down everything, forsake everything, and follow him. And it says the only way to save your life is to lose it. How many of you in here, raise your hand if you've ever been born before? A couple of y'all don't realize that you've been born. If you're alive, you've been born. A fun fact for you, if you've been born, you will live for eternity. But it's the choices you make here that tell where you'll live for eternity. So, and he says, in order to save your life, it's not to save your life here. We lose our life here. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my pleasure. But when we lose our life here, we save it for eternity. 
and we know that we're able to live with God for eternity. But when we live for here and now, my comfort, my pleasure, whatever it is, Jesus, I'm holding on to my life. I'm trying to save it. I can't do this. This is awkward, uncomfortable, whatever. He says, okay, you're saving it now. But when eternity comes, you're losing it. And we know that that's hell away from him for eternity. And the next part, it says, what if you could gain the whole world but lose your soul? The title of my message tonight is The Price of Your Soul. And when we think about that, if I ask you, and, I, and we could promise you all the fame, all the fortune, anything that you want, popularity, you name it, you could get it. We think about that, and let's be real, it's a little far-fetched, ain't it? You can't get the whole world. But what if you could? And I said, is your soul worth it? If we asked everybody on an individual level, I promise you'd tell me no, right? You say, oh, my soul ain't worth it. But so many times we're not selling our soul for the entire world. We're selling our soul for one thing. We can call it what we want, but that one thing is sin. We're saying, Jesus, I don't need the whole world. Even though you said I could maybe get my, give my soul for that, I don't need the whole world. All I need is this one thing called sin. And I mean, that's the price tag that I'm putting on my soul. And we're going to talk about a guy tonight, and I'm going to say the rich young ruler probably 50,000 times. But I've, I've read it before. I've heard pastors talk about him before. And I never realized how many things he did right going after Jesus. I never realized it. And I'm going to be honest, there's a few things that he could teach us about how to seek Jesus and all that. And we're going to get into that. But we're going to see the end, no matter all the things that he did right, the end result for his life. So we're going to go to Mark 10, and we're going to start in 17. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now, we kind of get a glimpse into his life, and we see his thing was what? Money. But I want you to strip that off of your mind right now. Don't think about what his was. I want you to look into your life. Because we're going to break down the things that he did right. And we can compare that to the so many people who have given their life to the Lord, come to camp, have that genuine touch. And when they go back, it will always trace back to why they left. So if you're taking notes, we got five facts tonight. The first one, fact number one is, Seeking Jesus is not enough to receive eternal life. Going after Jesus, looking for him, reading his word, coming to church. Now, let me ask you a question. Are we supposed to do that, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. But seeking Jesus, we see that the rich young ruler, the thing we can learn from him, he had an urgency and a sincerity in his pursuit for Christ. 
He come running to Jesus. He didn't walk up. Jesus didn't see him and say, hey, come here. He went running after Jesus, and he knelt down before him. He looked for Jesus. He wanted salvation. He knew he needed salvation, and he looked after it. He even confessed that he needed it. What do I need to do to receive eternal life? And when Jesus looked at him, he knew that he wanted it. And we see time and time again, young people, where you come up to the altars, you're seeking after God, you are running to the altar, you're praying, you're confessing, you're telling Jesus, I need you right now. We have youth leaders up here. You're praying with them and you're confessing with them. But seeking Jesus, although we are supposed to, seeking Jesus by itself is not enough to receive eternal life. Fact number two, to praise Jesus isn't enough to receive eternal life. Now, are we supposed to praise Jesus? Yes, absolutely, right? Man, when Cole starts that, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Man, that'll get you fired up, right? And we see where the rich young ruler came, he ran and he, he fell at Jesus' feet. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. He was not just an ordinary person. He was someone who was probably looked at in the community with high regard. When people saw him, they was like, oh, he, he's got his stuff together. But he left that behind, and he humbled himself and got down in front of Jesus in the dirt on his knees, and he called him good teacher. And good teacher is like a respectable term. It's something that you call someone who you know needs honor and reverence in their life. And he did that to Jesus. He acknowledged that Jesus was someone who needs to be a the level of respect needs to be extremely, extremely high. And we see it camp. When we start playing these songs, right, what do we do? We throw our hands up. We start singing loud, even though some of us can't. We began to sing and honor God, right? You're a good father. We're raising Jesus up. We're lifting his name. We're giving honor to his name. But to praise Jesus by itself isn't enough to receive eternal life. Now, we talked about you're supposed to seek and praise. The third fact to be a respectable person is not enough to receive eternal life. To be a good person. To be good and do good. Now, are we supposed to do that? Yes. And the rich young ruler was a respected person. And he came up and he asked Jesus a question that every one of us need to ask, probably on a daily basis. What must I do? Jesus, what do you need me to do? What do I need to do, Jesus? But you see, the rich young ruler was looking for religion, not faith. He was looking for acts. He was looking for a to-do list, if you want to say it like that. He was trying to earn or merit heaven by the way he did things. And we see that because Jesus told him, look, you got to keep these five commandments. And I'm sure when Jesus told him that, he got excited because what? He had kept those things. But Jesus went past that and went to his heart. And he thought, and so many people today think, I can be a good enough person. It doesn't have to be a sold-out thing. And that's where Satan wants you to think. He wants you to think, I can keep my sin, but as long as I'm a good person or I don't do too bad, I'm okay. I can receive heaven. And I'm going to look up in Matthew 7, through 23. It says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. 
But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Go back to 22 for me. What's that say? We prophesied. He was looking for acts. He was wanting to know, what do I have to do? What do's and don'ts are there to follow? And so many church people follow or try to find a certain list of things to try to be a Christian. Do I need a tithe? Do I need to go to church? And they said, we prophesied. We cast out demons. We did things. We went to church. We went to Passion Youth Camp. We served. We did. We did. We did. And Jesus looked at him and said, depart from me. I never knew you. Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. He said, what do I need to do? Jesus gave him five commandments. And what did he say? I've done them. But Jesus went past the law. Think about that. Jesus told him, this is what you got to do. He said, I've done them. He said, but you know what? Let me look at your heart. What's in your heart? Yeah, you can do certain things and not do certain things, but I need to see what is inside of you. And the rich young ruler was exposed to something that went beyond a list. Let's go to Ephesians. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So, you see, especially if we had a bunch of guys in heaven, if we could merit that and keep that, I could hear the guys in heaven. I've been in the dorms before. Man, I kept eight out of the ten commandments. How many did you keep? Man, I kept ten. There's eleven. I probably could have kept that one too, right? But it would be pride on our part to think that we can do something on our own apart from Christ. Jesus, I don't need you. I can do it on my own. But to be a good person is not enough by itself. Fact number four, and you know, fact number four, I'm going to be honest with you, is a tough one to swallow. It's, it's kind of hard, so I'm going to break it down. But fact number four, the love of Jesus is not enough to receive eternal life. I want you to think about that. When Jesus looked at the rich young ruler, he what? He loved him. Jesus loved him. He did three things right. He sought Jesus. He praised Jesus. And he wanted to be a good person. And the fourth thing he had going for him, right? Jesus loved him. And I want to tell each and every one of you in here, I promise you, Jesus loves you with all of his heart. Everything that he has, it was love that sent Jesus to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was love that sent Jesus there. And I can't help but think that he thought about each and every individual person that would live as he was there. And Jesus looked at him, and we even sing about how great and strong, right? Reckless love of God, the love that is kicking down walls and tearing down mountains, right? But it's like, Jesus, why didn't you stop him? Why didn't you stop him? Jesus, you looked at him. You loved him. You saw his want. You saw his need. You saw his desire and his urgency to receive you in his life. But why didn't you stop him? Jesus, why don't you stop the youth who come up here and give their life to you? But when they go back, stop them, kick them, trip them, do something. Why? Because no matter how strong, how powerful God's love is, it cannot save you if you are unwilling. 
Jesus looked at him. He loved him. And he said, you've got this one thing. And Jesus couldn't stop him because he was unwilling. He wasn't ready. He didn't want to give his life. He didn't want to lay everything down at the feet of Jesus. He thought, I could still maybe do this on my own, maybe. Right? But like I said, what is the price tag of your soul? And this, in Proverbs 124, I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. This is... This is, Jesus reached out to him. Jesus told him what he needed to do. Jesus is pulling on you. You don't come to the altar. The rich young ruler doesn't come and fall at the feet of Jesus without the love of Jesus pulling him. But it was him who didn't respond. It was him who turned away, not Jesus. Let's go to Ezekiel. Put all your rebellion behind you. Find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. You see, God always uses his love as an opportunity for us to repent. And he's telling the people of Israel right here, turn away from your rebellion. Come to me, but it's got to be your choice. I'm not going to drag you back, or God's not going to drag you back. It has to be a willful choice. What we go back to, it has to be a willful choice pursuit on our part we have to choose on purpose to follow Christ and I want to share this about the love of Jesus real quick we live in a society today where people use the love of Jesus as an excuse to continue in your sin it goes back to that I deal with this yeah I'm this this is my sin but you know what Jesus loves me I'm okay That's you turning, that's like the rich young ruler getting sad and turning away. That's what you're doing. You're turning away and you're rejecting Jesus' love by continuing in your sin. His love is still there, but you are unwilling to give it all to him. So we have got to quit using Jesus' love as an excuse to continue. And fact number five, to give up everything is what is required to receive eternal life the rich young ruler he sought he praised he wanted to do good he tried to do good and Jesus loved him three things right one thing going for him but when Jesus looked at him what he say there's still one thing that you lack and that one thing his inability or his want to not lay everything down was the very thing the one thing that kept him from receiving eternal life and the one thing sin is the very thing that is keeping so many people today from receiving eternal life Jesus's death on the cross demands total and complete commitment on our part and I'm gonna go ahead and get the band to come on up the rich young ruler rejected Jesus for three reasons And it's the same exact three reasons that people are rejecting Jesus today. The first one is unbelief. He didn't trust Jesus enough with his life. He thought, I'm okay, I'm good. Jesus, I've got all this figured out. He was trying to save his life and hang on to it. He didn't trust Jesus. And we do the same thing today. People do the same thing today. Jesus is telling you to get rid of something. He's telling you to do something. He's telling you to add something to your life. Whatever it is, you know what Jesus is telling you. 
And you say, nah, Jesus, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and ask everybody to stand up. You say, nah, Jesus, I'm good. That is unbelief in your life. The second thing is self-righteousness and pride. The rich young ruler thought, I can do this on my own. I can be good enough. I can earn this somehow. And people today think the same thing. It's pride to think I can keep my sin and still receive eternal life. I can still go on without laying everything down at the feet of Jesus. I can hold something back. I can hold on to something and still receive heaven. And that is pride and self-righteousness. Number three is the love of the world. He had a lot of stuff, right? He had a whole bunch of possessions. Y'all can go ahead and start playing as y'all get a chance. He had a whole bunch of possessions, and he was not willing to lay it all down. And when we hold on to things, young person, when you go back home and that thing that God is telling you to get rid of in your life that he's probably told you the last year and the year before, that thing you're holding on to, you're saying, God, this is the price of my soul. I love the world more than you. And you may not be verbally saying it, but by your actions, that is what you're saying. It's the love of the world. That keeps so many people from eternal life. And just to share something with you, we've got to quit defining what it means to lay it all down. So many people say, I try. And now I'm going to be honest with you. There's things that are a struggle. God spoke, to this, spoke this to me a while back. A struggle is a struggle as long as you fight. But so many times people are using the word struggle for something that's a sin that they are willingly giving into time and time again. So we got to quit calling something a struggle, saying I'm trying when we're not. But if you are struggling, keep up the good fight. Breakthrough is going to come, I promise. But we've got to quit saying I'm trying when we're not because if we're not really laying everything down, we're holding back and we're loving the world more. The rich young ruler had one flaw, and it was a serious flaw that exists in so many people today. He thought the one thing, and he thought that heaven was not worth the price of his soul. So our altar call today is this, guys. I'm going to ask some leaders to come on up. It's simple. Who is ready to lay it all down? And I mean for real. I mean serious. We've got too many people who come to camp, and camp is a start-over point in your life. That's not a bad thing. I don't mean it like that. But when you keep coming to camp, you get that touch only to go back home and give in to the thing that God is telling you to lay at his feet. Give it up. You don't need it. That thing is the thing keeping you from eternal life. Get rid of it. Tonight is the night that we do that. So whatever it is, we know the rich young rulers was money. We don't know what yours is, but I promise you, God's been dealing with you on it. He's probably been dealing with you for a long time. So whatever it is that you need to lay at God's feet tonight, completely surrender it so when he looks at you, he can say, yeah, you've done these things right, but he doesn't say, but you got one thing. That you can go to heaven and he say, come on in. You did it right. Your heart was for me. Your heart was to pursue me. You held nothing back. You denied yourself. You lost your life so that you can receive eternal life. And we're going to look at Mark the rest of Mark, this is right after Jesus told the, the rich young ruler walked away. And the disciple, he told disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. And can we put that in Mark scripture? The, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. 
but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in a hundred times as many houses, brothers, mothers, sisters, children, and property, along with persecution. Everyone who laid it all down held nothing back from me, and in the world to come, that person will receive what? Eternal life. We can seek. And we can seek with all our hearts. We can praise. We can sing the loudest in here and our hands can never go down. We can try to do good to the best of our ability. And we know that Jesus loves us. But until we are willing to give up everything, eternal life is what we're forfeiting. So our altar call tonight, guys, you can come up to the altar. You can come up with a leader, whatever you feel led to do. But tonight, let's lay it all down. So next year when we come, it's a checkpoint in your life. It's not another start over. You can say, God, I'm laying it all down. And once you lay it down, let's leave it.